National Veterinary Technician Week. From the Veterinary Viewfinder, this week we want to celebrate all of y'all awesome people out there, but we also want to talk about what the real challenges that you're facing are and some of the solutions and ideas we have for the future this week on The Veterinary Technician. <laughs> Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And Becky, it is National Veterinary Technician Week, so we're just going to rename ourselves the Veterinary Technician, right? I'm fine, <laughs> yes. It will be like the Smurfs, just every noun. Well, you know, I'll tell you, Becky, veterinary technicians should be top of mind for everybody. And I guess we should introduce ourselves, as always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And I'm just giggling today because I'm so excited. We are talking about National Veterinary Technician Week. It is one of my favorite times of year. It's a time that we celebrate all of those amazing support staff that make my life as a veterinarian um, a lot easier, I guess I should Do say. though? I mean, <laughs> are we celebrating them? Because that's the most important thing. Um yeah. If you are not celebrating your vet techs this week, you it is only Wednesday. You have got time. So if you haven't already made a big deal, please do. Please do. And and look, you know, I'll tell you, Becky, you know me around the holidays. I kind of I kind of go back and forth on like how much do you celebrate and what does it really mean? Says the guy who puts on the Christmas parade. <laughs> I mean, hold the phone. Well, yeah, I do like my Christmas you parade like and I like New Year's and I like my wife's birthday and anniversary. Right. Right. But here's the point. The point is this. Sometimes I lump things like National Veterinary Technician Week into what I call the February box. And the February box for me is Valentine's Day. So, guys, you know, you already know exactly where I'm headed with this. And it's kind of like this this created thing where we feel like, oh, I've got to go buy flowers and maybe some chocolates, vegan chocolates for my wife. Uh, you know, But we feel like we have to get them a card and all that stuff and say, I love you. But for me, there's a little bit of, uh, of remorse in that because I'm going, wait a second, shouldn't you be telling your loved one you love them like daily, multiple times a day, Becky? I mean, so I, I don't know. It seems fabricated sometimes. Like I get it. And if it's raising awareness, like National Pet Obesity Awareness Day, which is actually today, um, you know, I get that point. But Becky, you're right. I mean, man, if you aren't celebrating National Vet Tech Week, oh boy. Okay, so I think here's the thing, and it's sort of a either double-edged sword or more of like an ice pick, because here's the thing. If you are celebrating your technicians this week, you probably are celebrating them all the time. Right, right. If you aren't, somebody has had to remind you, this podcast is reminding you, <laughs> or you don't know, and we're surprising you with this. You haven't even heard of it. So that's sort of, I think, the thing is where... I know for a lot of the technicians, so there's always these posts on Facebook that's like, what do you guys do for Vet Tech Week? And you see one of two things, like nothing, 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 or like our boss does this thing every day or like it's right. Vet Tech Week every week. Or, you know, so you have the unicorn clinics versus the like, why should we celebrate technicians who, why? Like like you right. said, this fabricated, why should we celebrate them today specifically? Yeah, that goes back to the old, you know, criticism I've gotten over the years. I would say celebrate someone doing something good every day. And they're like, why would I celebrate somebody doing their dang job? It's like, wow, OK, you're not a great leader, are you? But this gets back to, to this issue right here, because you're right, Becky. It does sort of polarize. It's like, why would I do anything? I already pay him a good salary. I give him a good benefits. Heck, I gave him a job, you know, so if they don't like my job... 
right? I mean, so you get that attitude, and I and I hear that a lot from other owners of veterinary yeah. clinics. You know, they're like, I, why why would I go out? I've or you then kind of get this sort of really lukewarm, like here's a card, or hey, I bought everybody pizza, or there's some chocolate donuts back in the back for you guys. Happy Vet Tech Week, right? I mean, so all those things really are. Th- th- that's not what this is about, you know. I mean, this should be a prompt for you to say, are you doing enough to really celebrate the vet techs in your life every day, 365 a year? I mean, you know, this is not one of those things where it's like, okay, check done it. Like the, sometimes the Valentine's day stuff, right? I mean, I, I want us to take this time to say, okay, these are people that are instrumental in the success, not only of my individual practice right here in, in any town USA, but in, in the entire pet industry. I mean, Becky, without people like you, honestly, there is no need for people like me. Well, thank you. I mean, that's a thank you. It's a huge compliment and a huge acknowledgement and, and validation because, you know, while I'm like, yep, you're darn right. It's like, but to hear that and to acknowledge that is is kind of a huge deal. And here's the hard part for me. Most of the veterinarians I know that are most appreciative of technicians are a newer generation of vet who don't yet own the practice, who are $200,000 in debt from school, and they don't know what to do or how to show appreciation because they feel such genuine, um, true appreciation. And so they're, the important thing to think about here, guys, is it's is in a dollar amount. Um, right. Like you said, it could be chocolate donuts, but they don't need to be thrown in the back. Wrap one of them in a cellophane, little gift bag, put a handwritten note on it that says why you think that particular technician yes. is fabulous. Um, it's not about money, but it is absolutely about being genuine about right. your appreciation because it is validated through multiple studies that appreciation is really like, it's like what we work for. Um, I see these posts on Facebook all the time that is like my vet starts the day with thank you, ends the day with thank you, says thank you all throughout the day. I love her. I would die for her basically, you know, because appreciation is really what we want in that validation. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. And, and honestly, we're coming into the giving season, right? So we've got Thanksgiving coming up quickly. There's Halloween in there as well. We've got Christmas. We've got New Year's. These are all great opportunities for managers and owners to sit down and and look, my my go-to, my go-to gift for my staff all these years, of course, we gave them lots of other real stuff, but was a handwritten card. You know, I yeah. did that at least once a year, okay, for every employee. And just set that, you know, three, four sentences to say, you know, Becky, thank you so much for doing this. And and like you said, it's got to be something relatable. Hopefully you've got actually real world context and color to put into that note. Like there's an experience, a, you know, a situation that they handled remarkably and you just want to celebrate that. I mean, I, I think that every good leader does that or something like that. Um, I don't think, you know, that you can just sometimes, you know, say, hey, here's a box with a pretty bow and a nice gift inside it. Sometimes it's that extra thing. And Becky, I'll tell you one, one of the most remarkable things to me in my career would be, you know, of course, people would come and go over the years and you would see these vet techs that, you know, you, you hired, you know, you worked with them 15 years ago and they would come up and they would say things like, I still have that card you sent me that time after whatever happened. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because it is so meaningful. In fact, one of my consulting clients was asking, you know, um, you know, we have a a small budget, what should we get? And was kind of talking through gift cards. And I said, honestly, don't care what you get them, you know, put that card in a card and you need to handwrite. So it was actually um, just very funny that you said specifically that I said, you know, 
it's the handwritten card that's going to matter so much more than what's in it. Because they're going to say, oh, that's nice. Put the card down and then read those words and be like, wow, that was really nice. Um, it's the handwritten, the taking the time and the making it personal is of so much value. Um, I, I really hope you guys understand that that's really truly. And if you have technicians who are going to be snarky or snotty over that, you just ident- identified your toxic <laughs> team member right. and <laughs> kick them out. Yeah, good good on you, right? Hey, you just did yeah. some great detective work there. All right, so I do want to spend some time today, Becky, talking about the challenges that are faced in the workplace today by veterinary technicians. And I kind of want to start off, A, with the lack of diversity. I mean, you know, obviously this has been discussed a lot on our podcast, other podcasts, you and I have written and lectured about this exhaustively, but you know, at the end of the day, the veterinary technician profession still looks an awful lot like you, Becky, which is white female. And so we've got to do a better job for the future, in my opinion, to encourage people of color males to come in, people of diff- all different walks of life to come into our profession. So, I mean, Becky, anything, you know, is there any little quick little tips that you've got? I mean, how can we reach this next generation of, of prospective veterinary technicians? There's actually a big movement and a lot of technicians who are getting really passionate about getting into the high schools, right? Um, maybe even middle schools and starting at, you know, working with kids at a really young age to let them know that our profession is a thing. Um, and it's a really great thing. So um, in working with a couple groups who are trying to promote this idea and create some context and, and content around it. But I think truthfully, for diversity, it's about exposure. And what we know is there are these very systematic processes that make access to education very difficult. And in some cases, access to animals, very difficult. Right, good point. And the experiences with the animals are very different than those. Like, so, you know, um, you know, just to be very, you know, blunt, I think that there are a lot of experiences of, you know, stray animals and maybe more. Um, animals used for protection in more um, urban areas, whereas, you know, in more rural areas, we've got pets that are like working on the farm and having relationships with the family and things like that. So um, and then you have the suburban family member pet, right? right? Not to say that those are fine drawn lines, but I think if we start to look at those um, from that sort of viewpoint, we can see missed opportunity for experiences. And that's where we really have to just break down those those barriers and those walls and make sure that we are we're getting exposure and education um, to the individuals who just don't have access to it. Yeah. And I love that. You know, there's a group out in Southern California doing exactly what Becky described where they're going into these really, you know, underserved schools, um, primarily, you know, minority school districts, and they are just showing how awesome vet techs are. I mean, so these are a group of impassioned RVTs who are just taking upon themselves to say, hey, the next generation is residing, as Becky said, in middle and high school classrooms. And we want to let them know that this This is a a realistic career uh, because, you know, there are a lot of barriers to becoming a veterinarian. So first and foremost, cost can be a big issue for many, many people. So here's another career path that can be just as rewarding, just as fulfilling and meaningful. And so, hey, you know, this might be for you. So I love that. We've really got to do a better job of increasing diversity throughout the veterinary industry. So that's been said. But I think specifically today's discussion around vet techs, Becky, we've really got to reach out in any way possible, remove some of those barriers and increase the diversity within your ranks because I I think otherwise it does tend to shut down innovation and progress and growth of that profession. Another issue too, uh, Becky, just is 
Well, I guess we'll get into it. And that is the lack of sort of standardized definitions, accreditation requirements. I mean, nomenclature, dare I say, the veterinary nurse initiative. I mean, you know, what I'm saying here, Becky, is that's still a big stumbling block for you. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> you know, well, and the veterinary nurse initiative has taken a bit of a turn in their in their initiative and in seeing that they're, they're just not being successful as much in the um in the government and then also COVID. So, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think there was a misunderstanding for a lot of um, folks that the nursing initiative didn't necessarily include certain aspects, which it did. They just weren't maybe put as forefront and center and talked about as much. But the veterinary nurse initiative is geared really now toward trying to make sure we're getting much more, you know, practice acts aligned. And that's kind of one of the biggest yeah stumbling blocks for us because you basically it makes it so hard to move around as a veterinary technician and one of the most value you know you think about these traveling nurses right right who get to travel all over the country or world and fill in blanks where we don't get that opportunity you know and here lately i've been on a bit of a, a rampage as you know um because several of these and our personal practice act in many cases makes it more advantageous to not have a license Absolutely. and to do my job it's nuts. because you well, can't, can't get in trouble. Right. <laughs> so um, there has to be change. And the VNI recognizes that. And, and we're also trying to help states. One of the biggest things that, you know, I started talking and working with them on is like helping states to take a stand and saying, um, you can send your own cease and desist letters. That doesn't have to come from, you know, anybody. Anybody can send a cease and desist for anything, you know, whether it's valid or stands is a whole nother story. And so helping the the states and the technician associations to self-advocate, okay, maybe more than sitting around and waiting for people to advocate and make the laws for them. Right. Um, you know, and I, I think in the long run, it's going to come down to technicians need to manage themselves like nurses do. And um, we're going to have to pave that path for ourselves. And and to me, that's the 20 year projection. Right. And, and again, you know, to me, this this is about public perception and public safety. You know, can you imagine, Becky, if you went in, let's say your, your, your father, your mother, whomever, someone you love goes into the hospital for open heart surgery or cancer surgery, some massive procedure. Right. And so, you know, you're there after the procedure and there's somebody tending to your loved one in the hospital setting. And they're like giving medications and checking vitals, you know, doing all the nursing things. Right. And what if you then said, hey, so tell me, where'd you go to nursing school? Oh, I, I didn't go to nursing school. I just graduated from high school. You know, they taught me all this stuff on the job. <laughs> you know, Becky, would that not give you some concern? I have a hard time <laughs> with this because. So, first of all, the blunt answer to your question and the honest answer is, of course, yes. That being said, I know a ton of amazing individuals sure. who do my technical skills better than me, who, who sure. have done them longer than me. And so this is where our title and the whole difference in title and acknowledgement, even on National Veterinary Technician Week, starts to get ugly and hairy and uncomfortable. Right. And it's a lot of the times why people don't approach 
or celebrate tech week, or they lump in staff and then the technicians end up feeling a little resentful. So this gets into a big, (laughs) nasty, hairy ball of crap. But that big ball of crap is necessary for us to talk about because so see, look, I'm, I'm totally with you. There are, and and I'll, I'll take it a step further. There are, I've met people in agriculture that do things that with animals that I could never do. Right. So they've got these skills, experiences and abilities. So I get that, but that still doesn't give them the right to do certain things. That is where we have rules and regulations in place in our society as a safeguard for public safety. That's what I was getting to there, Becky, you know, I I get it. So, so, you know, you would have concern, but then you go, well, but this nurse who's taking care of my loved one after this major surgery is actually doing a capable job. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you're like going, how do I know they're doing a fine job? This is where the credentialing bodies come into play. This is where experience, education requirements, all that stuff really matter, at least to me. Sure. And so, so two things here, number one, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking of this from one aspect of you're helping my loved one recover, maybe giving medications like, okay, they let candy stripers give medication. I can live with this. But who intubated my loved one? Who monitored their anesthesia? That's the part that scares me even more than the recovery part is that, you know, intravenous controlled substances, the, you know, um, the intubation portion there's so that i mean that kind of stuff is where we're arguing a little bit more even than the recovery process is is as a delineation of skills so so that part kind of scares me um a little bit and then the other part of it is for me and this is sort of <laughs> where i've i've excited a lot of people but i've probably made a lot of people mad as i've said you know it is also a matter of skill and title delineation. So we're saying there's a handful of things we're saying is a credentialed responsibility, but we're also saying it's a title thing. So, and I can understand for non-credentialed technicians that say, you know, either my state doesn't require it, um, you know, so they are in a loophole or they, they don't even know that they're working under a title that they shouldn't be working under because no one's told them or three, they argue I do the same skills and I do them better than other people with a credential, um, especially like some of these baby techs. And so that's even where I've had veterinarians argue to me that they should be able to use the title veterinary technician and that they should even be able to sit for the board. And because they've learned, they've got 10 years, 20 years experience and this veterinary leans into them very much. And it's a part that's that creates a lot of um, frustration, I think, for a lot of technicians because that's the mindset of so many veterinarians. And we understand that. But what, but what I've pretty much said to them in response on a regular basis is that's perfectly fine as long as after 10 years you allow a credentialed veterinary technician to sit for the DVM boards and they can become <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Becky because in 10 years after my credential, I should be able to – do the exact same thing what you're saying they could do. It's a fair point. And there's point. not a veterinarian in the whole world no, who supports no, that no, theory. No, I'm on the record as publicly saying no, I don't agree with that. And, and, you know, and, and let's put this also in perspective because I love what, um, what you're talking about here, Becky. Uh, in perspective... It, Remember, the first U.S. vet schools were only in the 1860s. So we are still a very, very young profession. Prior to the 1860s, it was just like the vet techs, right? I mean, it's like people just loved working on horses and cows and pigs and chickens and whatever. And they just sort of started doing it. And 
don't get me wrong. Those people were capable and competent in what they did, but it really took a formalized education approach, you know, like, cause again, the French started first 1761 in Lyon. Everybody knows Claude Beaujolais started the first vet school in the world at the bequest and quite frankly, of the, at the investment of the Pope at the time to get rid of render pest. I love that story. Of course I'm a vet, but you know, we're still so young in this. And that's why when people say things like, well, you know, yes, she's been in, working in a vet clinic for 20 years. She's just as good as any registered tech. I'm like, I'm not saying that that's, this isn't about a lack of respect for what you do, but it is about regulation and public safeguards. Yeah. And I guess that's, I mean, that's the point I'm trying to make when I say, fine, after I get a certain number of years of skill, then I can sit in, in your position because it is truly just just skills you're teaching me. The underlying education, the underlying book, and frankly, the time and energy we have put in. And that I think is what veterinarians like, oh, there's no way you could do or know what I do. And I'm like, really? I mean, because I know that I can run circles around baby veterinarians the way you're saying your 20 year experience technician can run circles around a credentialed baby tech. I understand that, but they have still put in the time, the work, the CE, they pay the money, they've, they, the blood, sweat and tears of school. And so they have simply earned that title. And it isn't truly about skill or not. It is about the time and effort that's been put in. But at the same time, what do we do about those amazing team members who just haven't? And this is where I argue you send them to school and get them the credentials that they deserve. Yeah. And with today's virtual learning programs, I mean, I've sent several yes. uh, people who are just amazing, talented today. have gone on to do great things in the industry and the profession. Uh, and you can do the online accreditation. So it works. But, but I, you know, I didn't mean to get into all of this happy veterinary technician week to everybody out there. But it is an important discussion because, Becky, this friction, this tension, this polarization amongst this one issue around, well, who is a veterinary technician? Like the fact that we are having that fundamental discussion really is slowing down progress because right there, it already doesn't allow you as a profession to unify you to somehow generate more value and worth for you to actually make progress. That's exactly right. And if you are doing it right, and and it goes full circle to what we were talking about, everyone on your team feels celebrated every day. And this isn't, this isn't a contest. Right. And so you celebrate your assistants for being assistants. You uplift your credentials, technicians and staff for being credentialed staff and you utilize them for who they are, but you make everyone on your team important for their role. And this shouldn't be a problem. So if you have friction in the clinic over these types of things, this is a management issue yes. um, and an interpersonal issue and a, and a um, SOP issue more than anything else. So you need to look internally and not at the players. Yep. Leadership. This is yeah. all about culture. All right. So one of the other challenges to growing your profession, gaining that respect and, and really getting back into the importance of credentialing, it's pay, Becky, Becky, veterinary technicians don't make very much, do they? I don't even know because I, <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't yeah. even, I can't, it's, it's unbelievable. What technicians, this, I work for myself. That's why I'm kind of laughing and saying, shoot, I don't even know because I, I have had to start to set my own rates because this is what happens, especially for technicians really blows my mind. There is a sweet spot about uh, five years. And this is, I think, why we part of why we have a five to six year lifespan of technicians where clinics can, quote unquote, afford you. After that, you kind of like price out of their range with experience. I can't tell you how many 
technicians with 10, 15, 20 years experience say they can't find a job because clinics say they can't afford them because of their skills and experience. And it makes me like want to bang my head against a brick wall because I'm like, now you're being punished for your skills and for your experience. And so this is where our profession is really out of whack, in my opinion. Um, And the really unfortunate part is these technicians with 15, 20 years experience aren't even expecting that much money compared to any other job that had those kinds of years experience. So I know technicians who are making, you know, in the $10 range, I know technicians who are making in the $30 range. Um, And then we have some in management that are, are doing really, really well. But at the end of the day, they're not getting paid enough. But then when we look at the salary of veterinarians, it becomes really hard to argue. Oh, yeah. Um, because, again, the whole financial system of how people are getting paid and what they're getting paid and what they're charging in the industry is just like it's more yeah. than we can even get into today. And it's upside down. I totally yeah. get it. And, and just to put it in perspective, I mean, the average vet tech registered vet tech is going to be making you know, somewhere between thirty two to thirty six thousand dollars. I mean, that's kind of this yep. range. But the average salary of an RN, it's over seventy five thousand dollars, Becky. I mean, you do the math. So similar education, similar requirements. I mean, look, two different things. I I totally get it. I totally respect it. But, you know, that's a a huge difference. I mean, you're talking, you know, double the salary easily uh, when you when you kind of compare apples to apples. And I know you can't compare apples to apples because it's RNs to vet techs. But, you know, the reality is the if we don't fix the salary, Becky, I just don't know how we're going to attract this next generation of best and brightest. Well, and to be fair, when you say we can't compare apples to apples because it's nurses to vet techs, you know, there's a lot of vet techs out there that would argue, yeah, and we're doing twice as so much. many different skill sets, right? Like, right. I'm not saying we're working harder because, boy, it's yeah. a whole different ball game. But, man, we are trained in so many different areas and species and um, um, and on a day-to-day basis, unless you're working in like a, an emergency room or you're like in the field somewhere, you're probably seeing a very small spectrum of things because they're so specialized. Whereas as a tech, we argue, you know, like we might go in a room with a dog and then a lizard and then a bird and then a horse, you know, and we might be doing dentistry, we might be doing radiology. I mean, you know, I'm preaching the choir. So, um, I think a lot of us could argue like we might should make more for that because we have to be so on our toes and up to date on various species, conditions and skills. I know. I know it's, it's nuts. I mean, you know, so I get it, but if you're, we don't do this for the money and that's what we celebrate. Vets don't do it. Vet techs don't do it. We, we understand that already, but Becky paying you 15, $16 an hour, right. With minimal benefits that is just not sustainable. And this is why we see that five-year cliff where veterinary technicians just drop off, disappear. We never see you guys again because at Starbucks, you can find us. We're making $20 an hour. We smell like (laughs) coffee at the end of the day. Um, And you know what I mean? Like that's where we are or, or we've become RNs. That's where you can find us in the human hospitals because we finally give into that because we love medicine and we know we have a future there. You can find us in dentistry. You find us breaking off into these specialized medical areas that we love and want to support but have to live. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I had a, a dental hygienist years ago and uh, when she first came into the clinic and so, you know, I got her for, to clean my teeth. She's, you know, oh, you're a veterinarian. She goes, I used to be a vet tech. And I was like, uh-huh, right. Like yeah. everybody says that because you know, that's the first thing I went to. I was like, you were not an RVT. She right. was an she was an RVT and yeah. she did exactly what you said. She said, look, you know, I did it for about six years. And she said, at the end of the day, you know, we were starting a family and I realized that not only the physical demands, which is a whole nother right. element of the job, uh, were going to be too much for me with a young family, but I didn't have a future. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. got it. You, Cause she was like, where do I go with this? So she said it was worth it for me to go back a couple of years, do her dental hygiene thing or whatever. And I don't really understand the whole job of that, but you know, it's a great job. I just hate going to the dentist. Sorry. I'm scared of the yeah, dentist. We've talked about it multiple times, but, but you know, she said, she said, I'm making, you know, about four times as much money. And she worked four, four days a week, you know? Yeah. My, oh, they like, they had the best schedule. Um, but they have to go in mouths. So I mean, like yeah. I could only do that for three I couldn't do that. and a half yeah. days a week. Um, my massage therapist was a credentialed veterinary technician. Wow. Um, and you know what I mean? Like she went to school, she worked in hospitals and kind of the same thing. She's like, yeah, but then I had kids and I couldn't afford them. And, right. um, she ended up going to like, um, retail appraisal school because it was like easy peasy and then she did you know commercial retail and like was like mom bored whatever and ended up in massage therapy but she was initially a credentialed technician and knew it was never going to get her anywhere so um and that stuff's heartbreaking to me right yeah. and it's the same thing for me i had to kind of work in and i had to i mean my career rode me in this direction but i i, I easily took that wave of being able to dictate how much i make because I knew that I wasn't going to be financially stable without like my husband and other sources of income right. if I didn't. Right. And, and so, again, as we sort of wrap up today's discussion and and, uh, and the solution, one of the bright spots out there for veterinary technicians are really the large corporate practices. And, you know, we can say what we want, have your own opinions, but they are definitely upping the ante for vet tech salaries and benefits. Uh, they're also creating great workplace, you know, programs that, that I'm, 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 I'm actually quite uh, enamored with. And so, you know, I do think that Becky, the larger corporations coming in, valuing you and your skills, raising your salaries in increasing and improving your benefits and workplace, that's going to put pressure on the independent practices to keep up because we're seeing this gradual shift and drain from independent practices for RBTs over to these larger corporate groups because they're like going, hey, they value me over here. Hey, they love me over here. Hey, they're paying me over here. Yeah. So it's to me, it's like you get one of those three things at <laughs> least to where I know a ton of technicians who are like, yeah, I work in corporate and I don't love it. But it's the best I've ever gotten paid. It's the best benefits I've ever right. had. And so now we have what what worries me even more is this like kind of lackadaisical view of what they're doing, like a, a muted sense of passion because they have to do it somewhere they don't feel passionate about, but it's their only survival right. ability. And then I think we get into this like burnout kind of like, you know, thing where we're not passionate and we're not driven because we don't necessarily agree and we're very limited in what we can contribute and do. And, and I do think corporate's working to change this mindset 
because they they realize it for that longevity they're going to have to do that but servant leadership isn't the you know the, the corporate <laughs> policy for many that's right it's about the quarterly profit so i like that different kind of profit different kind of servant but anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> fed techs of the world we really want to just I thank you that. so much uh you know becky you know of course i'm a huge fan of yours but i've been a fan of so many rvts lvt cvts over the years and i know there's one more i think in tennessee and i always get it confused yeah, <laughs> That's part of the problem. We need to, yeah. I need just to be able to say registered veterinary technician or whatever you want me to call you and then I'll be happy. But regardless, you guys have, uh, so many of you have, have interlinked with my life over time and just made it better. Um, and the other thing too that I just really want to celebrate is is your patience with veterinarians. <laughs> so Aww. Becky, you know, at the end of the day, I, I uh, make a lot of mistakes. I mean, I'm human. I d- am not perfect. You know, there are times when I'm probably a little too gruff or rough and and just you know probably don't look in your eye and say thank you enough uh and 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 you've been patient you know vet techs have always had that amazing resiliency uh and i think that you know it's sort of like one of these deals where it's the Pareto principle i think if i'm if 80 percent of the time i'm really trying to be my best veterinary self and i'm just showering you with love and affection and appreciation then you know the other 20 percent sometimes becky your rvts give me a pass and i thank you for your patience with that i also thank you for your patience with our our clients because let's face it that's really you're facing them head on i can't tell you how many times I've ducked out of a confrontation by saying, <laughs> "Hey, Julie, can you go? Can you go Your discharge words, Mrs. That's Smith?" So, funny. <laughs> so I really want to appreciate. I yeah, thank you that for that uh, because that's just the truth, and I think every veterinarian can probably relate to what I just said. And then finally, I just want to thank all the RBTs uh, really for your dedication to the pets that we serve because at the end of the day, like the reason that we do get up and go to work is because we love caring for animals. Uh, and then the second side note to that is that we also love the people that we work with. And so if you, you know, want to celebrate something today, just look to your left, look to your right, maybe look behind you in treatment over at the microscope, but, um, you know, just say, wow, I really like to have that person in my life. And if you're a manager owner, then you go up to that person right now, <laughs> as soon as you finish listening to the podcast and you say, thank you for being in my life i'm like they're the one on the floor uh (laughs) do you know what i mean or go and check they're the ones folding the laundry or outside picking up poop you're so right though and and you know it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing to hear um at the end of the day we put up with all that because it is about our patients and so as long as our vets are doing great patient care and we get to do great patient care we can put up with the rest of that so it makes our job whole and um, we put up with a whole lot of that to get through a really good week this week. So spoil <laughs> your techs out there. Come on. So viewfinders, how are you celebrating Vet Tech Week? What did your owner or manager do? Do they give you something special? Maybe that handwritten note we keep talking about? If not, tell us and maybe we'll put some pressure on them to do did it you for get you. you something this afternoon or tomorrow? Let us know right. that we were the catalyst that made sure you can that hit us up on Instagram. management knew what to do. And hey, we're tell us what you to get so we can make those suggestions uh, uh, out loud. But truthfully, just like thank you guys. And I hope that you got a chance to laugh with us today and to just feel the love because that's what we're doing. That's right. Until next week, you guys stay safe, celebrate, and thank you, thank you, thank you. Bye. Bye.